welcome. <laughs> we may or may not be live right now. Um, we are. Hooray. Just got to go ahead. So welcome Hi. to the Perfect Love Podcast. Um, I'm super excited about this segment. Um, I'm usually not excited to talk about shame uh, because that's pretty, uh, pretty not fun to talk about. But we have Sydney here. Um, so I'm so excited to talk to her, of course. And we have Sarah. Hello again. Yeah. So I'm excited to get this started. We're going to start with our usual little Q&A thingy and then we'll kick it off. Yes. So speaking of the Q&A thing, if you have questions for Sydney, because I know you do, because Sydney's great, because I have lots of questions for her and she's just amazing. Um, go ahead and start dropping them in the comments Ooh. of this video. And pressure. we will eventually answer them, or we'll try to answer them. So go ahead and start doing that. I um, hope y'all are all doing well today. Um, you know, it's been a sunny day and a rainy day, actually, which has been interesting. Yeah. At least at my house. It was, like, really hot for the morning, and then it got really rainy in the afternoon. Um, but how are y'all today? Pretty good. Like you're saying, sunny day, rainy day. I both burnt my feet and took a shower nap, uh, so... I was walking to the mailbox and did that and took a nap afterwards. So it was really nice. It was pretty uneventful. So I'm thankful for that. Um, but yeah, other than that, nothing much. Yes, today was good. I am um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays now. I babysit these mm -hmm. kids. I've been babysitting them since. Um, I Well, so since the little girl was three and then they had an, a little boy. Um, who is now three, and so she's now six, and um, they were pretty bad today, so <laughs> that's all that was. <laughs> you know, she was insulting me a lot. You know, kids can just be really... Kids know how to hit your buttons, so I used to watch kids. I don't do that as much anymore, but this one time, a child, who must have been like eight, was sitting on my lap, because I was like braiding her hair or something, you know, and she looks at me, and she looks at my nose, and she goes... You have blackheads. Oh my god! And I was like, <laughs> I'm like 15, so I'm like, uh huh, yeah, I guess I do. Oh. And like, I didn't actually like break them, but I was like, ow, like kids. Yeah, I know for real. They like, they. I think they can just like see your insecurities. Yeah. And like, they just know. They're just a whole package. Like they're exhausting because they always want to be running around. You have to explain everything like three times the last time I was down with Sydney because I actually did help with babysitting a little bit I would say something and then the kids would ask what does that mean and then I'd say another word that would they wouldn't understand so I'd say mm -hmm. something like oh look at this Lamborghini and they're like what's Lamborghini I'd be like oh it's a bougie car and they'd be like what's bougie I just <laughs> I'm just trying to say I don't know what kids are because I was just trying to have a conversation I'm it like was, Ugh. it was pretty but, entertaining that was my day. Kids. Hmm. Pool. Oh, pools are fun. Yeah. I, like, have wished I had a pool recently. I've been inside making TikToks, and I'm like, you know what I wish? I wish I had a pool so I could chill in it after I make all these TikToks. And, like, mm -hmm. TikTok. That's a place to be. You know, CCW. Really is. Everyone go follow the CCW TikTok, please. It's quite good. Thank you. Thank you. Haley and I try. It's really quite good. I really enjoy it. I have no word for TikTok. You have to. I can't. Get on I don't there. have any words for it. It's a good time, particularly once they find your niche and they know what you mm -hmm. want. 
Oh, yeah, I saw one. Okay, maybe this is getting a little off topic, but, like, in, like, the first day I actually started, like, using TikTok, there was one that came up with this guy. He's like, yeah, so, you know, the algorithm kind of groups us together based on our interests. And he paused and he goes, so how was your anxiety attack today? Did you make it through it? <laughs> <laughs> Did you say how you were doing? Did you? Did we talk? Oh, I was trying to avoid that part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just skip over that. Right. Classic Enneagram five. I was like, like hey. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> we can just forget about me. Um, yeah, you know, it's. I've had like no energy today, um, mm. which has really sucked because like I thought today was gonna be so productive and it has not been. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, it's been an okay day. Like, other than just not being as productive as I wanted to be and having low energy, you know, I'm here with y'all, and I'm very excited about this, so. Mm. Other than this happening, I really feel like today is a Monday. Like, mm. yesterday felt like a Sunday for sure, so, like, I just have the Monday Monday sleepies or something right now. I'm just so sleepy, but I resonate with that. Mm. Cool, so uh, our next little part is just asking you how you came to be you talking about a little bit about sexuality your journey um all of those things so whatever you want to tackle if you want me to, to condense it and tell you to talk about one thing i can totally yeah, do that i mean how i became to be me i was born into a society yeah that, um socialized me into no kidding um Oh, I was really loving that. <laughs> I was like, let's talk again, sociology again, now. Again, the sociology that I was talking about. It will happen. It's inevitable. No, okay, my story. So much to it. Um, I'm Like you said, I'm guessing you want to hear about the faith and the gay stuff. But, of um, course. <laughs> yes, tell us more about the gay stuff. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I grew up in a, a you know Christian family in the church. Um, grew up in evangelical world. Um, non-denoms, I went to, like, a PCA church, I think, mm. at one point, all, like, very conservative, um, denominations, well, or non-denoms. Um, none of them were affirming. We didn't even really talk much about it, it was just mm. you knew. You, like, yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. actually think I ever received a message on... How to not be gay. Yeah, like, or, like, <laughs> that it was bad, you just, like, know. Yeah. And you just, like, don't really ask about it. Um, so there was definitely a culture of, like, not talking about sexuality in general. Not mm-hmm. even sexual mm-hmm. identity. Just, like, sexuality. Yeah. Um, it was very, like, don't talk about it. So, yes, my family kind of reinforced that family dynamics. Me and my mom always had really open communication about um, faith and sexuality. But... Mm-hmm. As a whole, we didn't talk much about it, like as a whole family. My dad yeah. was very, always very um, closed off about those things. He would make comments that reinforced, like, oh, this is not something we talk about. Um, and so, yeah, that was my life until I um, graduated high school. Well, actually, I started attending CCW my senior year of high school. And um, then I started to realized that there were christians Mm -hmm. who actually talked about this stuff and i was like because you when you're something about the evangelical world will really keep you in this bubble 
and you just don't even realize that they're like there's anything else anything different yeah. um and so that was my experience I really didn't know that there was anything different um until Troy was like hey you should come to me to this like college ministry and I think he just knew that I needed to like mm-hmm. meet some people outside of the bubble um and then it was you know all uphill from there with you know meeting people who were openly LGBTQ and Christians and talking yeah. about it and deconstructing and reconstructing and all that. Um, but yeah, how like my sexuality fits into all that. that um, I knew from a very young age that I was both attracted to women and men um, and everything in between. <laughs> but I also was in a context that was not affirming. So I think that puts a really specific um, pressure, I guess, on like people who are pan or bi or queer, because y- it's like you have a choice then. Um, so there was kind of this, my identity was always really complicated because I was like, if I'm going to be a good Christian, I have to choose um, yeah. to kind of like suppress this one side of myself because I feel like I have that choice. So I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones. Yeah. It's kind of was my mentality growing up mm-hmm. until I deconstructed that thinking um but then I again it's like exposure it's totally like social exposure I made a friend um one of my best friends who identified as bisexual and a Christian and um they just opened my eyes to that being a thing to that being possible um and so like you know junior senior year of high school I um started to come to terms with my own identity um and then I'm just now really starting to like talk about it. Um, yeah, I think I don't know. Is that what you wanted to hear? No, that's that's. There's great. so much more there, but like. I I think we'll we'll speak to some of those spaces when we talk about the topic of shame because, yeah. like you're talking about the suppression in the church, this hush hush kind of mentality of just like we don't talk about sex, we don't talk about sexuality at all. Um, there's so much of that that's just in a lot of growing up in the church for you. I know when I, when I was with you in some of those church yeah. spaces. Um, so I'm, I mean, with that, I, I'm just going to move us into our discussion section. Um, and I think my question is just how, what were some ways you saw this, this shame, uh, culture, this, this kind of way of shaming people into the vision they wanted them to be molding them into this thing using shame like how did you see this um in the churches and the faith spaces that you were in yeah i mean i think there were probably three main things that instilled like my shame around sexuality um first i think is the theology um, that I was taught, I think, um, and not even taught, it's, again, there's such a culture Mm -hmm. that it's sometimes not even explicitly taught, but it's just learned in the behavior and in the attitudes. And so was I ever sat down and theologically taught A, B, C, D, here's why being LGBTQ is bad, here's why you're wrong something's wrong with you yeah. no I actually wasn't I was never sat down in the Bible and read the verses um but was I taught it in other ways absolutely um and so 
yeah, it was definitely that, that theology um, think just around um, sexuality in general. Um, purity culture yeah. mm. made the conversations that much harder um, because not only are we like not talking about LGBTQ people in the church, but we're just not talking about what it's like to be a Christian and in a sexual being, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's just yes. like, it's just like there's no window for like learning. Um, yeah. And so then I, it's like, not only am I confused about like my attractions that I have to women, I'm confused about my sexuality period. Yeah. That, I that the attractions have, in general yeah, attractions at all. Yeah, in general that I yeah. feel right. in wow. my body. Specifically for women, like the way sexuality was presented to me was that you know you're supposed to be the one to hold it down and like keep sex from happening yeah like it's on you to like cover up so men don't stumble yeah. and not lead them in astray because they're sexual yeah yeah the, the ways the ways men were okay by the way this is our next topic is uh just this this um i'm forgetting the purity word. culture purity culture so we're diving a little bit into that but men were taught to this is the way to like not act on these things is bounce your eyes yeah. that's what we're taught in christian culture and like women are supposed to suppress all of these things yeah. and like it's so frustrating yeah 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 and so then um and then i think something specifically to being again like i kind of mentioned earlier um being bisexual which that's the terms i use for myself but i also i also like fine with being described as pansexual or queer like mm -hmm. i'm kind of loose on the terminology yeah. um it all fits, I feel like, but, but yes, yeah, something specific about being bisexual is that, um, not only is like, I don't know if y'all ever heard these debates, but I remember have very specific memories in middle school, like group discussions about people being like, but do you like actually think bisexuals are like real Ugh. you know what i mean like yes, i'm I like it's those. they would say like oh it's either just a phase or like they're just like not ready to like just like be gay <laughs> like, you know what I mean? so there's yeah. like these kind of conversations that were like making me feel shame um and i was like you Th know those are so rough i i always heard those conversations and it was always like you can't even out of like a christian context like growing up as like just a kid but like I heard people saying, like, you can't have both. Like, you can't have both yeah, of everything. I'm like, like, are you, you serious? Know, it's like, it's kids just talking, but, yeah. like, um, It no, enforces the just, suppression. Absolutely. Yeah. There's just something more to, like, I think, um, I don't know. There's just something that I feel like bisexuals deal specifically with, like, yeah. that yeah. and with, like, then being, like, as you grow into your sexuality, being like, all right, like, you have this choice. You're either going to be the sinful side of you or the holy side of you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess what I find interesting, I never heard those conversations. Like, mm. I didn't know, like, that I thought you were gay or you were straight. And, like, that yeah. was it. Like, there was no in-between. And, which, again, I think that says a lot, <clears throat> sorry, about the larger context of, like, bisexuality not being a thing, right? Mm and like Christianity wanting their things to be black and white. Yeah. Like it's sinful or it's holy. Yeah. It's sacred or it's secular. Yeah. Like it's us or it's them. Yeah. yeah. And so to argue that there's this thing in the middle, bisexuality, pansexuality, queerness, 
that isn't entirely straight and isn't, you know, which it's still gay, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, like, but for Christians who have to go, wait, what do you mean you like, so you like guys and you like what? I can't fit you into a box. Yeah. I, I can't, like, I can't, like, there's not no, room for scary. gray in evangelical yeah. Christianity. That's so true. Mm-hmm. In all the ways, I like how you point that out in, like, so many ways. And again, like, because of the way Christianity Christianity has influenced our culture. I mean, I see that even within, I see people in the LGBTQ community doing this gatekeeping because mm. they want to draw clear lines. We yeah. have this desire, which I mean, we've evolved to be this way. We've evolved to want to know a clear in-group, out-group. Who's mm-hmm. in the in-group? Who's the out-group? Because it's survival. Mm-hmm. We have to know who we're against. We have to know who we're for. So, like, yes, we've evolved to be that way. But, yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of like going against what uh, that instinct to draw lines. But we have to stop, like, just period. We have to stop the gatekeeping, period. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's on another tangent. I'm sorry. Back to shame. Oh, yeah, so. that's, that's great. <laughs> but, I mean, that just that adds to shame. Like, yeah. in, if you're bi or pan or queer or you're not, you know, only attracted to men or only attracted to women. Like, you know? Yeah, totally. Like, it adds to the shame. Like, totally, because you feel like you're your getting that instilled kind of everywhere right right you're in the lgbtq community you feel like you're learning shame there you're in the christian community you're learning shame. so there was kind of like this learn shame in kind of many areas yeah. of like my life mm-hmm. yeah so there's this uh shedding off of shame uh often called deconstruction or reconstruction and i just wanted to talk a little bit to you about that and just uh maybe talk about your faith through that or before and after and kind of the results like how how did this your queerness um when you're coming to terms with this like enforce a reconstruction or a deconstruction or what part did it play in it Hmm. yeah so i um it's interesting because i never so i'm a feeler yes and so even though i grew up in like um evangelical world that has very specific theological principles that they go by i have still always been very much like a feeler and very much like in kind of on the ground led by like my empathy i'm an empath you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> when I started to come to terms with my queerness, um, it actually didn't, the deconstruction wasn't scary for me because I don't actually ever think I was, I think I was probably just a bad evangelical. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really do. I think I was probably just a bad evangelical all along because I even remember in like middle school having these moments where I would hear people talking about like, you know, like gay people, whatever they were talking about. Um, and, you know, saying stuff about like them not being in church. Mm-hmm. And I would actually, I remember thinking, it's like, oh gosh, that's so sad. Like, I'm so sad yeah. that like those people don't feel like they can come mm-hmm. to church. And like, I didn't have language for why I was so sad about that back then. But um, so anyways, when I kind of started to come to terms with, my queerness and started putting language to like how I felt and who I was. 
Um, yeah, it definitely caused like a deconstruction, but it wasn't it wasn't super scary because I I you know it was just kind of like oh like um, I don't know this is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it helped that I had people, other people who I saw who were like already on the other side. Yeah. Of like what I was starting. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of where the CCW half of it, like seeing seeing all those people who were Christian and queer at the same time, like seeing that there's like this it's still possible like to mm-hmm. move through the reconstruction into that. Well yeah, and I think that's why representation is so important. Yeah. That like I had um stepping out of kind of like stepping into like my identity i um had people who were like kind of who were ahead of me that were representing that to mm-hmm. me but no it definitely caused kind of like a shift in um my theology but i actually think what it ended up making me do is actually become more firm in the things that are really important to me about my yeah. faith I think that's what ended up really happening in the long run was that all of a sudden I realized, okay, if this is what we're doing, if we're going to kind of depart from these churches and these mm-hmm. kind of ways of thinking that I grew up around, like what are the things that are actually then most important the to core me? Jesus what teachings. is the core? Yeah. What is my core? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and that comes back to love. <laughs> and that's, that's so smart to, instead of like kind of, I, and moving completely away from Christianity is also that's an option and that's fine. But like that you, you took it and you saw the, the love, the God is love, the Jesus who walked this earth. And you're like, maybe it's more that than I'm thinking. Maybe it's more that than the people who are shaming me were saying or shaming this community were saying. And that's just, it's so smart in the reconstruction of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, you look like you have a thought, Sarah still formulating we'll come to okay it. yes i'm ready just just it interrupt just me like anytime if i if i start <laughs> asking the question um yeah do you so uh, the question i have is like how do you view shame now but by that i mean like where is there a place for shame this is kind of where the the guilt and shame conversation mm. starts and the difference between those two I just want to know your thoughts on those. I, I know we've had conversations a few times before <laughs> about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted to ask you, like, where do you see guilt? Where do you see shame? Um, and where do you think are, like, places that might be good or if that's not even a thing? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was in therapy the other day. And my therapist, love her, <laughs> she was like, I was, I don't know, I was talking about something. Oh, I was just talking about my feelings because I have a lot of them. (laughs) And um, I kept saying, I know I shouldn't feel this way. I know I should feel this way. I know I should be like this. I know I should. And she like paused me and she's like, hey, I just want you to know that like when you start talking in like shoulds and shouldn'ts, um, that's a sign that like shame is in Mm. whatever you're talking about. There's like a shame around it. Um, and I was like, oh. wow. um, and it, it was just like a really helpful mm-hmm. thought for me um, that when we're trying to manage um, our what we feel about a, a situation that like there's shame there. So yeah, there's shame all up in my life, all up in how I feel about yeah. myself, my 
sexuality, my faith. Um, but the thing about shame is that, like, uh, it's not my fault, right? Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. my fault that I was born into a church and um, a religion, into a society that made me kind of internalize those beliefs about myself, that yeah. I am wrong, that there's something wrong with me, that I should be doing it another way or shouldn't be. Um and so I think that with shame now, it's a constant, a constant recognizing where it's still living in our bodies and a mm-hmm. constant undoing. And so I don't think there's any place for shame, but I think it's just a journey to like yeah. constantly undoing those beliefs that we have about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I like how you mentioned like guilt and shame, like how Brene Brown talks about like guilt is saying, oh, I did something bad and shame is saying Mm -hmm. I'm bad. Um, And so I think it really comes back to constantly recognizing those beliefs that we've like internalized about ourselves being wrong. Yeah. And I think that's, I don't want to say it's something evangelical Christianity does well because it's actually a really bad thing. But the way theology infiltrates every part of your life and indoctrinates the shame into your being so that you will gatekeep yourself when they are not present. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Wow. Like, that's, it's appalling. But how do you, how have you wrestled with that? Because, I mean, you're recognizing it now, but, like, what is it like when you have those moments where you realize that you are gatekeeping yourself due to a theology that was given to you involuntarily? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's uncomfortable. It's so mm-hmm. un- and it's uncomfortable um when I'm doing that with my theology or even when I'm doing that. Like I catch myself repeatedly saying biphobic things. Like all yeah. the time I will like see somebody who's like in a, you know, like a rela- like a woman who's in a relationship with a woman and I will like automatically assume they're a lesbian or something, you know what I mean? Or automatically yeah. assume. And I are like, and so I, and it's, it's uncomfortable because I do it. I make these assumptions. I say these things. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, Oh, like, like that's, that's against myself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's against like who I am. And, um, so it's, it's very, it's a very uncomfortable thing. But again, that's why I think it's important to recognize that it's not our fault. Yeah. Um, and that like we, and that's, I think, what I love about sociology is it gives you that deeper insight into, like, how external environments have, like, become so internalized yeah. as, like, who we are um, into the ways that we act. And so it's, like, yeah, it stinks. But I mean, there's a sociological quote, and I, it's, I'm blanking on who said it. I want to say Durkheim said it, but I, I could be wrong, so please no one crucify me if that's I'm wrong. That's like Durkheim's thing. But yeah, that's why I think it's yeah, been like a while, thing. but society precedes the individual. Yeah, no, that's definitely Durkheim. Cool. I, just like, yeah. I thought so. I thought so. I, was like, I don't want to be wrong. And then in the comments, <laughs> like, Sarah, did, actually. Did we have a whole conversation with this yes, in the car did. ride I one time? Yes, we did. I was telling you that you needed to read Durkheim because yeah. I was like, I love it. I, I have it in my notes somewhere. It's super nerdy. Just read Durkheim. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I mean, society, like, shapes us, and it shapes what's in us. Like, mm. the church is a major agent of socialization. Our families are major agents of socialization. Yeah. The school we are in, those are major agents of socialization. And like hearing you talk about your experience, it seems very much like those are the things that gave you the views on whether being bi 
was good or bad mm. and if it was even a valid thing yeah which it is a valid thing i just want that very yeah. clear. Yes. <laughs> um but it it's hard i think when you start to deconstruct for some people i know you said it was kind of a little different for some of you with this because you feel like you're fighting against yourself yeah and the things you've always been taught mm -hmm. so i don't know if you've had a moment like that that was harder or not mm. um yeah, I have these moments where I start to, um, I have these moments where I start to, like, blame um, people that it's, like, not their fault, like, mm -hmm. um, like, I've been having these uncomfortable moments where, like, I will, like, assume things, I'm like, ah, the queer community doesn't want me, like, I'll say things like that, like, they don't want me. Um, they don't want me because I'm a Christian. They don't want me because I'm bi. They don't want me because I'm married to a man. Like, they, they don't really want me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then I have to, like, stop and be like, actually, like, is anyone in your life enforcing that thought? Mm -hmm. Or is that yourself? And then I have this moment where I'm like, actually, no. Um, that's just myself saying that to me. That's actually yeah. not anybody else saying that to me right now. Um, that's me saying that to me. Yeah. Uh, and that's uncomfortable. It seems like a lot of your journey out of shame is consciousness and like groundedness. Because mm -hmm. I, I see you talking about these things that sometimes are just second nature, like going on inside of our heads that are telling us these things that we can often just like accept and like go about our day and stay in, in that armor to reference the last one. Um, but like that, that groundedness and like, I assume working through therapy because in therapy it's always about being grounded and being grounded, being grounded. Yes. But that's, uh, would you say that's a, a core uh, drive kind of that keeps you discovering more of these things about yourself? Is that grounding? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think, I think there's something about grounding that I instantly associate with um, embodiment, which is also something that I'm just really passionate about, embodiment. Mm -hmm. um, and also with grounding and embodiment comes like empathy. And so um, I think that I'm constantly having to learn to be okay with the things that exist in my body, um, the things that I feel in my body. And when I'm kind of having this undoing these like intellectual mm. things that I've internalized I also am like um realizing where all of those kind of like intellectual concepts have landed in yeah mm. the way I feel and empathize with myself um so definitely I mm. definitely think that like um having empathy with self is like a yeah. key component in undoing um, kind of the things that we've internalized. Yeah. I know like in my own personal journey of discovering myself and all the different parts of me, like it's, there's often a lot of grounding and like mindfulness and stuff like that. But like you're saying, it's, it's hard to apply that empathy sometimes and be like, it's okay that these things are inside me. Like these things make me who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and not feeling the need to rid of everything and like mm -hmm seek out everything and like get it out get it out like 
it, it's a process and especially looking into how you're going about this it's it's a beautiful unfolding like you said like the, this unfolding i, I love that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. definitely and i also think a key component in all of this is uh, like coming to, like in my process has been realizing um the value of mine what am I trying to say information pieces of who I am um I think that as I've kind of like come to terms with like my identity and um accepted it and put language to it I also have like I had this moment where I had to kind of remind myself sorry I'm babbling um my information is mine and it's special and it's anyone that I'm sharing pieces of who I am with should be honored (laughs) is what I'm trying to say and so another part of all of this um and this journey of like undoing has also been like it's okay um to protect the self in that way and if you're feeling unsafe um responding to that and like not feeling the need to like um, give everyone my information, even if it makes me feel unsafe, yes. even if it makes me feel mm-hmm. yeah. like, you know what I mean? There's yeah. something that's it, really important about that, I feel like, in my story. You don't have to have, like, a heart-to-heart one-on-one, hey, I'm queer. <laughs> like, every person, like, they don't, not yeah, everyone deserves like, that's to why have I, I personally have, like, a lot of thoughts about using closet language because we're mm. constantly in this phase of, like, disclosing things about ourselves to people and that's not just about sexuality and so i think that there's like this part of this process that we go through of learning who we are and accepting who we are that um we also just who we are is so special and it's special if you share that with someone Mm. and like if you're feeling unsafe you don't have to share anything yeah yeah of who you are with anyone i i appreciate that The, the permission to that no one is owed your story, but your story matters. Yes. Like, that's that's really beautiful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the way you illuminated that. Yeah, and I think that's just important with the conversation of shame, too. Because yeah. I also think there's a shame that comes with, like, not, not giving out. people yeah, yeah this information. And I think that that's yeah. another thing that we have to undo is, like, an, another shame to add to it. There's, there's that, just so oh, much to not, it. Yeah. There's so much yeah. to it. There's, there's mindfulness. There's uh, being, like caring for your body and being okay with the stuff that's happening there's also trust in the people around you like when you trust someone enough then it's like then you can honor yourself and be like yeah i'll give this person that information so it's like there's so many different Mm -hmm. facets of the unfolding and the unpacking of shame um it just just goes to show shame is such a nasty thing (laughs) like to have to use all of these beautiful emotions these these strengths like we you have to crack it open well, yeah because i mean shame's a mechanism of social control right yeah like it's how <clears throat> i mean it started out evolutionary to keep us in line and keep us as an us and keep us functioning mm-hmm. you know if we shame people for murdering people then maybe people won't murder people you yeah. know <laughs> but it's become this thing that then the church and other institutions have used to decide who is us and who is them and who is in and is out yeah Mm -hmm. and like to maintain a level of control that isn't healthy and kind and good for people that's doing harm yeah Yeah. like 
Definitely. Shame is controlling. I really like that connection that you're making. It's like mm. the control that shame. Um, yeah, just like controls um, what you feel like you're capable of. It controls yeah. um, if you feel like you're worthy of love. It controls the way you relate to others. It can be very controlling. Yeah. Such an oppressive system of shame, honestly. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I have just one last question for you, and then we're going to go into the Q&A segment. Um, how, what advice would you give to someone experiencing shame um, or having shame cast on them or that's unpacking their shame? Um, I mean, there's already so much beautiful advice, but if you want, just like tie a bow on it and throw it out there. What advice would I give someone experiencing shame? Um, yeah, I think I'll probably re-reference what I've already said is one, um, self-compassion. Um, it's these things aren't our faults. Like that's just, I keep repeating it because that was a really big epiphany for me is that Mm -hmm. it's not my fault that I've internalized these beliefs Mm -hmm. about, um, who I am. And so you have to be patient with yourself as you are undoing and as you are learning more about yourself and as you're kind of digging into these feelings of shame that you have about who you are um so definitely self-compassion is like a big component um and also like when i again reconstructed my faith and really held to like a few key principles of that i'm living by um I think it's important kind of on this journey to have those key like truths um, that you believe about yourself. Um, Even when it, even when it doesn't feel like you believe them, like Mm -hmm. constantly reminding myself that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, which was something that my mom actually told me growing, which is something my mom told me before she knew about like my sexual identity. Right. And something that she still speaks over me now is that like I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and that's a truth that I've clung to. Which I get, it's from Psalm 139, from that, that scripture, I think. Um, oh, look at me, I read the Bible. I think it's uh, <laughs> 139, 11. Yeah. <laughs> Myths debunked right here. Gays read the Bible, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just ho- hope it's the right verse. Yeah, queers have read the scripture. Yes. Um, no, but yes. There are going to be these moments where shame makes you feel like you don't believe that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, right? And, and shame's going to make you feel like you're wrong, make you feel maybe even like I, I struggled a long time with kind of like a self-hatred, mm-hmm. and that was all a result of shame. But then when I had, when I was going through all of that, right, and cleaning all of that stuff out and, and unlearning some of that, I also had to, like, replace that with mm-hmm truths about myself and truths about who I am and truths that I am wonderful and that I am beautiful that I God wanted me to be this way right I'm not accidentally this way and he's just tolerating it I use male pronouns for God but here we are talking about Jesus you know (laughs) yeah Um, yeah, no but like God wanted me to be who I am God loves me for everything for every part of me Um, so I'm just going on tangent now but yes no it's beautiful. Thank it's your you so story. much for. You can tangent all you want. Yeah, 
thanks so much for just sharing all of that um being vulnerable all that yeah fun i'm gonna stuff. definitely have a vulnerability <laughs> yeah <hangover. laughs> so here we are um but yeah that was all so beautiful and i know it's encouraging for me in the places in my life and pr- probably for so many other people like well so, yeah, yeah and that's exactly why for a long time in my unpacking i had this truth of like i don't owe anyone any of my information and mm. so i i didn't talk very much about my like sexual identity but then for that reason the reason of like i needed somebody to be to ha- be the representation of yes. what this looks like and for the purpose of like people feeling seen yeah. is why i've like started trying to talk about it more um because i just want people to feel seen yeah that's great awesome well thank you so much same have a couple questions we got questions how many okay are they good i'm excited okay question one drum roll would be inserted here oh. do you tell me who it is um i don't usually okay, okay but it's fine. don't do it it's fine. i'll tell you after Privacy, please, please. all right um what has been a great source of strength for you through this uncovering of your identity great source of strength um my friends um mm-hmm. having people that you are vulnerable with and who like you know just like love you no matter what um i think it's probably been a big source of strength for me yeah um yeah just like community (laughs) because i didn't yeah that was something i want to touch on but like community is very important to me in my Mm -hmm. faith and otherwise um and so finding a community that was like unconditionally supportive of who I am, I feel like was a key in me being able to like put language and mm-hmm. to who I am as a person. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yes, there's just strength in, cause alone I am weak. You know what I mean? Alone, I can't do this on my own. Yeah. And so I can't do anything. I don't think anyone can really do anything alone. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think strength is really a product of community and from togetherness. It's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. good. Okay. So this has, I think, two questions in it. It's kind of a paragraph. So I'm going to read the whole thing just okay. for context. I don't want. Yeah. Yeah. Read it all. I'm ready. All right. Yes, Sid, protecting your identity is so important. In regards to that, how do you guys feel about the coming out language and the shame around whether or not to do it, whether to do it or not, sorry. I feel like it is so expected in our society for anyone who is in the LGBT community to come out. Not only have I felt in the church, but in daily life as well. Absolutely. I actually am very passionate about this because, um, well, I never had a formal, like, like, coming out moment. Um... Because I just didn't think, okay, so it's like everyone needs something different, right? I think there's something very, if that's what you want, right? If you want this, like, moment of, like, here I am world. You know what I mean? Like, that is valid. And I've Mm. seen, like, I almost cry every time I see one, right? Like, (laughs) read one on Instagram. I'm like, oh, they're so beautiful. Um, But I don't like the coming out language because it's like, I think that instills more shame that like mm-hmm. you're hiding if you're not 
disclosing this information to everyone. Because again, and it's also incredibly heteronormative because hetero cis people are not having to disclose this information. Yeah, it's, it's expected. You're like, just ugh. assuming. Straight is not the default. Yeah. yeah, acted like it is. So I feel like that is reinforcing heteronormativity in our society is that we're expecting LGBTQ people to have a coming out moment. We're expecting that to like be a part of like validating their identity. Yeah. Um, and so I'm pretty I don't use coming out language unless somebody uses that for their experience. Mm-hmm. I'll yeah. use it. But generally, I don't use they're in the closet or they're out of the closet or whatever because mm-hmm. I just think it's I just think it's harmful. I think it reinforces mm-hmm. again heteronormative thinking. Yeah. You know, I mm-hmm. think you can be completely like valid in your identity and never tell a soul. That doesn't mean that you're any less who you are. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're hiding. Yes. That could just mean that you're unsafe. Yeah. You know what I mean? That could mm-hmm. just mean that you don't have your community yet. You don't yes. have that those people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It could be so many things. I was talking to someone in our community a while back about about their experience um, as an LGBTQ person, and they were talking about like a podcast they had listened to about how they don't like the coming out language, but they were like, instead they think of it as coming in. You are inviting people into your inner space and trusting them enough to be a part of your Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. People are getting to know you more. You are not Mm -hmm. going to people more. Mm -hmm. Like you don't owe them. You are giving them a privilege and access to this information. It is a privilege. And yeah, I just think that's, I think that's so important. That's just really important to me. That's just important to me. Yeah. Mm. Make sure we don't have any other questions last minute no those were our questions those are good questions they yeah, were really good questions shout yeah. out to our question people yeah nice well with that thank you so much for joining us on the perfect love podcast um i had a great time i hope you did um the next time we're going to be doing this is july 6th i think 7th july 7th at 7 p.m we're going to be discussing purity culture there's going to be some rants in that one for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm <laughs> excited. With that. I hope to see some comments <laughs> there. Um, but yeah, so July 7th, 7 p.m. See ya. Thanks, Bye. guys. Thanks, guys.